You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you have successfully downloaded the Savage Love podcast. Once a week, I take some phone calls. The phone number here, if you want to leave a message, uh, leave a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. And as always, you downloaded this podcast at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Let's get to the first call. Hi, Dan. I'm calling from Chicago. I uh, love your podcast, by the way, but uh, I never thought I'd be calling for... Um, what I am calling for, I thought I'd be calling with one of my own problems, but I'm actually calling in response to last week's podcast, um, where you you didn't exactly cite, cite statistics, but you did refer to about 2% of the population being gay is the number you kept using and the sort of numbers you were extrapolating from that. And I was just wondering where you got that from and um, why that's the number you're using, because of course, there are all sorts of numbers floating around out there, but you would expect someone, one would expect someone like yourself to quote um, a higher number than that uh, because normally when you hear something like 2%, you usually are hearing that from someone uh, decidedly more conservative than yourself. So I was just wondering where that was coming from. There isn't a magic threshold that a minority group has to uh, pass to uh, secure their civil rights or have a right to their civil rights. Uh, the 10% figure uh, that everyone loves to cite is Kinsey. And it's from the 40s and 50s. And the most, be- the best and most recent figures we have for the percentage of the population that's homosexual is from the University of Chicago studies, which is done in the early mid 90s. And it found that I was a little off uh, when I was quoting it off the top of my head. It found that only 2.7% of men and 1.3% of women report that they had had homosexual sex in the past year. Uh, and found similar results for people who are uh, identified as gay or lesbian. What can, I think, sometimes skew people's perception of the numbers of gays and lesbians is that gays and lesbians, because we're such a tiny minority, such a small percentage of the population, tend to clump up. The percentage of uh, people in, say, a Seattle or a San Francisco or a Chicago who are gay or lesbian is much, much higher because the 2% of the population or 3% of the population or roughly 4% of the men and women out there who are queer and uh, find themselves born to families in Idaho or Montana or Ohio or Iowa, uh, get the fuck out as soon as they can and move to places like Chicago and New York and Seattle and San Francisco, uh, upping the percentage in that place while uh, paradoxically decreasing the percentage and uh, doing us political harm, of course, because no one <laughs> no one sees us anywhere else, uh, in the places that we left. Um, so that's where I get the figure. Uh, when you say someone like me should be citing the higher figure, you're sort of playing into the idea that, you know, we need to, uh, you know, we need to hit that ten. We need to hit double digits, or we'll never get to get married. And that's not the way it works. Um, I believe uh, Jews are three percent of the population, two percent of the. I don't even see. I'm just pulling that out of my ass. I don't know what the fuck they are, uh, but they they get to get married, even if there's only uh, fourteen of them in the whole goddamn country. They still get to get married, and we don't. So whatever. Uh, so that's where I got the figures. It's real easy to find. Just Google Chicago study sexuality percentage and homo, and you'll get all of it for yourself. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name's Christine. I'm 20 years old, and um, I'm a straight female. And I was wondering if um, you can help me with a problem I've been having. Um, I've always been friends with gay guys my whole life, um, my whole long life. And um, but since I've been in college, I've had trouble with being romantically interested in these straight male friends 
of my gay male friends, um, specifically their roommates. This has happened to me twice now, and um, it seems that I can only have one or the other, the straight guy I'm interested in dating or the gay guy whose friendship I value very much. Um, both times I've ended up not being friends with the gay guy anymore. Um, I was just wondering what your experiences with this are. Uh, is it just me and how I handle things, or is there a proper way to go about it that I don't know of? Obviously, um, any advice you could give me would be great. Thanks. Bye. I really have no advice for you. Uh, can't give you any advice. I can give you a little insight into what is probably going on with your gay friends. You're a 20-year-old straight girl. You're at college. You have gay male friends. Um, you're playing, whether you like it or not, perhaps, in their minds and their imaginations, the, the fag-hag role a little bit, uh, which means for a lot of, you know, there's a lot of young gay guys out there who are kind of insecure and haven't completely, they may be totally out, they may think they're totally fine with being gay, but they haven't completely adjusted to being, you know, perceived as gay everywhere they go and being 100% comfortable with their sexuality and what it means about who they're not just physically intimate with, but emotionally intimate with. And a lot of these young gay guys will have, like, really close female friends who are girlfriend, who, you know, this woman is their girlfriend in everything but the sexual arena. And so when you, as the uh, sort of presumptive default de facto girlfriend of one of these gay guys, get involved with a heterosexual man that has a connection to him, like a roommate, you know, he sort of, you sort of uh, shatter uh, his uh, reliance on you. You know, you, you, you've, you've shunted him aside. You know, he feels like you've betrayed him emotionally because what he used to go to you for uh, emotionally, you were his emotional girlfriend. You now are some guy's real girlfriend, and you're emotionally his girlfriend. And so it kind of ticks him off. And, you know, you break up. It's like the end of a romantic friendship because you actually then have a real romance in your life. And the fake romance of being the best buddy, the best female buddy of the faggot, uh, comes apart at the seams, as it should. Uh, as your little gay friends uh, grow up a bit and mature, They'll learn how to have real friendships with women and real emotional connections to and real, you know, fully intimate relationships with the guys that they date. And they'll stop relying on, you know, one special tight female friend to be their, you know, emotional everything. And they'll find that in guys, which is where they need to learn how to find it. And for right now, you know, you're playing the role of the crutch uh, and the transitional emotional attachment object. Sound romantic, huh? Doesn't it? It's not. Uh, and so you need to look at your relationships with gay guys and make sure that you're not being dragged into fag-hag situations where then you're not allowed to have real relationships with men who are interested in you emotionally and sexually without your little gay boyfriends feeling uh, betrayed, which is what they feel right now. What these two have probably felt is betrayed. And they have no right to feel that way because they have no claim on you uh, romantically. They subconsciously believe that they do, which is why they uh, get pissed off when you have someone in your life. So... That's my insight. Uh, do with it what you will. Hi, Dan. This is Joyce. My boyfriend has a whole lot of pre-comp. We've been together going on seven years, and um, it didn't used to really bother me. It's gotten to be more lately. And um, before you start talking about medical problems, he does have a small cyst in uh, his, I don't know, the sack. And he has seen doctors, and there's nothing wrong. But the problem is 
that it makes me not like foreplay at all because of the sloppiness and messiness of it. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. That much pre-cum sounds like uh, urinary incontinence, actually, <laughs> uh, if it's uh, that much of a problem. Um, yeah, I'm sure having to wipe his dick with tissues every few minutes as if it were a drooling child's chin would be a, a mood killer. Uh, that's what I, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Some guys pre-cum like leaky faucets, and there ain't nothing you can do about it but drink uh, if that you're down with that. If you're not down with that, I would advise you to get rubber sheets. And also, you can throw a condom on him, even if you're, you know, you're on birth control pills and you guys don't use condoms. You can throw a condom on him just to collect the pre-cum. Uh, and then when it's time for the to move from the foreplay to the actual fucking, you can pull the condom off, uh, all the pre-cum neatly contained inside the reservoir tip. But clearly, if you're with this guy and it's been going on for seven years, nothing I say here is going to make him not a leaky faucet. He's always going to be a leaky faucet. Sorry if it's not a, sorry if it's a turnoff. Sorry if it's ruining the foreplay. Um, you should learn how to work around it. Uh, so I would say condoms, rubber sheets, uh, and I'm actually dead serious about the rubber sheets. <laughs> you can put down rubber sheets and make a huge mess uh, and then pop them off the bed. And it won't matter how slippery and slidey it gets because that's part of the fun and part of the point of rubber sheets. Hi, Dan. I'm a 31-year-old straight male from Seattle, and I've been reading your column since high school. This weekend, I'm going to my father's wedding in Vegas, and my stepsister-to-be is a porn star. And by porn star, I mean won AVN Awards last year and is nominated for some this year. This is going to be an interesting family event, to say the least. And I was wondering if I've never hung out with porn stars before or been related to any that I know of, you have any advice? I've never been related to any porn stars uh, that I know of. Perhaps my Uncle Jimmy was getting down to something in the 70s that I just haven't discovered yet on YouTube and hopefully never, ever will. Uh, so I, I wouldn't know what to tell you. And it's too late for me to tell you because your call came right before the weekend and here it is after the weekend and I'm just getting to your call. So uh, I'm actually curious how it went uh, since you were flying uh, blind without any advice or assistance from me at all. So we're going to give you a call and ask you how the wedding was. Hello. Hey, it's Dan. This is you, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matthew. So your dad married a woman whose daughter's a porn star. Am I following this correctly? That is correct. Yeah. And so this is your first uh, porn star relative. This is my my first porn star relative. Congratulations. That I know of. Congratulations on the addition to the family. Um, yeah, I was pretty happy about it, pretty excited. So you wanted my advice on, on how to interact with a porn star, and you had to go without, because the, the wedding already happened in Vegas, at the AVN Awards? At the AVN Awards, yeah. Well, the adult, at the AVN Awards. But, the Adult um, Video News Awards were in Vegas in early Jan. Uh, and so uh, how did it go? Um, It went really well. She got us, um, like... Passes for the convention, um, got to go to the award ceremony. Unfortunately, she didn't win. She was up for a couple of awards, but... What were they? What were the awards? I think it was uh, Best Group or Best Three-Way. Uh-huh. Um, can, I, can I mention the name of the uh, film? Her name? Yeah, no, we, want, name to, we want to know who the fuck she is, and I want to know her, new, her, her movies. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I should, like, say it. She's well, a porn I, star. <laughs> <laughs> She wants her. She wants the publicity, right? I suppose that's true. Well, the film she was up for was um, Lick Her Ass Off My Dick. 
Lick her ass off my dick? Yeah. Lick her ass off my dick. How, how, how is that physically possible? I don't know. I haven't seen the film, but um, I think that's probably why I got an award. <laughs> Breaking new ground. Or was nominated for an award. So yeah. is she nice? I mean, my advice to you would have been just, like, treat her like a human being with any other sort of job. Like, people in the sex industry well, you know, that's aren't what, all that's... strung out crack whores. Most of them aren't. That's why it's an industry. If everyone in the porn industry is a strung out crack whore, it would just be a crack house. Um, they couldn't, like, get it together to make the movies, to sell the videos, to have awards, to drag... You know, it's just a, yeah, it's just no, a job and, um, for someone with a big sexual appetite and not a lot of sexual inhibitions. That's what, that's what I figured, and that's what I did. And, you know, coming into it, like, I had this whole slew of questions of things that I wanted to ask her, but, you know, that's kind of rude when you first meet someone. So, yeah, I just ended up hanging out with her and had a great time. What I was wanting from you, too, is um, in talking with a lot of people about this and talking with, like, you know other people at work or family members or people I go to school with, um, the thing comes up always of, you know, that the porn industry is exploiting women and... Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But what I've found that's is... Why, that's why responsible straight men only watch gay male porn, because it doesn't exploit women. <laughs> so if you want to be an ethical straight guy uh, who consumes porn, you got to watch guys getting banged in the ass by other guys. Well, what I found out in, you know, like, um, kind of talking with these women, it seemed to be that most of them pretty much enjoyed their jobs, had varying reasons for getting into it. Right. The kind of porn that exploits women is not the kind of porn that they pass out AVN awards to in Las Vegas in January. And, you know, lefties fretting about uh, porn exploiting women is like... I always compare it to right-wingers on abortion because the question isn't for the right. The right wants to have this debate about whether or not we're going to have abortions in America. And the debate, that's false. We are going to have abortions. What kind of abortions are we going to have? Safe and legal or dangerous and illegal? Are we going to kill women or are we going to allow women who make the choice to have an abortion to survive them? And for the left, you know, a lot of caring, feeling, right-on lefties want to have a debate about porn that boils down to, you know, are we going to have porn or not? Because it's bad for women. And that's just not the choice, because we are going to have porn. Like it or not, we're going to have porn. And we, do we want safe, legal, regulated porn markets where people's rights are protected, where there's a code of conduct, where hopefully condoms are used, where no one is being coerced or exploited, where there's some professional accountability which is provided by things like AVN. Well, you know, AVN is not going to pass out awards to production companies that are known for abusing or exploiting anybody. And it's exactly. part of us where the industry self-polices itself, regulates and polices itself. And so, you know, your friends who are concerned about the exploitation of women have their heads up their asses and, and should just fuck off. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about when they say something like that. Are some women exploited in porn? Yes, so are some men. But... That are, those are that's the word you know some people are exploited in the backs of Chinese restaurants people are it doesn't mean you shut down every Chinese restaurant in America you go yeah. after unfair labor practices you make sure that chi- you know Chinese restaurants in, in in Manhattan that are illegally importing uh, defenseless immigrants who feel like they can't go to the police and treating them as slave labor in the Chinatown in New York City which goes on you you try to stop that you don't shut down you know Panda Grill in a strip mall in Iowa. No, I agree completely. And it, it also, um, it reminds me, it came up with my mom, who I never say a thought that I'd be discussing porn with my mom. Um, my my real mom, not my stepmom, whose daughter is uh, into it. And she brought up, you know, like people getting addicted to porn. And it's like, 
You know? What are you going to do? On, people get addicted to Twinkies. People get addicted, people get addicted, addicted to, to gambling. Glasses, people get addicted, addicted to, to chocolate. People get addicted to anything. And which, so. that impulse is really controlling and puritanical because what you want to say is, you know, because some people can't handle this, nobody should be allowed to have it. And exactly. that's not how we run the world. You know, some people can't handle alcohol, and we don't make it illegal for everyone. But there's still a huge taboo in being a porn star. And there should be because it's part of what yeah. makes it hot. You know, if yeah, there was no sort true. of, like, taboo, there'd be no frisson. <laughs> You know, it's the kind of career uh, and the kind of, you know, pastime, if you're a porn consumer, that the the feelings of sort of outsidery, edgy naughtiness is part of what makes it alluring. There are certain things we don't want to be completely acceptable or mainstream or have the taboos stripped away from because it will make them less fun. It's more fun to get caught looking at porn than to just, like, run around looking at porn. I suppose that, depending on who you're getting caught by. Yeah, you don't want to get caught by your mother. Maybe your stepmother <laughs> if she's a babe. <laughs> uncomfortable yeah, thought. No, I just, yeah, uncomfortable thought. I don't like <laughs> to think about her and my, yeah, whatever they do. Well, we, we all live and learn new things and meet new people and sometimes Indeed. find ourselves related to them. Good luck. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question similar to one that was asked a couple of weeks ago uh, by the guy whose friend is getting engaged and he thought it was a mistake. I have a friend who's in a relationship that I think is a huge mistake. Um they're living together. Um, she just moved in with her girlfriend uh, about a month ago, and they've been having horrible problems ever since they moved in. Um, in fact, at one point, uh, the girlfriend even evicted my friend very briefly. They worked it out a couple days later, and my friend said, oh, it's all fine, everything's fine, but, you know, they were screaming and crying and moving things out of the apartment, and I had to help move, and it was horrible. Um, and I tried to tell my friend, look, I think you're making a mistake about this, but she really doesn't want to hear it, and she keeps apologizing on behalf of her girlfriend, and I really don't know what to do um, because I feel like I might be uh, this girl's, like, only resource. Her family's not okay with her being gay, um, or if they are, you know, they really don't want to talk about it. I don't know how many other friends she has in New York who are queer, and... Uh, I'm just really, really worried about her. She's an old friend. She she was my first girlfriend, in fact, and she's a wonderful girl, but she does have kind of a history of getting into relationships that are bad for her with older people, and uh, I really just want to know what I can do to help her. Um, and I don't want to, you know, give her the brush off and say, I'm not going to be your friend anymore unless you break up with this person because I don't want to ditch her when she really needs me most. Wow, that sounds super sucky. Uh, it sounds especially sucky because your friend, your ex-girlfriend, who's involved with someone that you clearly disapprove of and who I assume, based on some of your other comments, is older and shoutier and uh, perhaps abusive, or you see that coming, uh, that your friend's kind of isolated and you're her only friend and she doesn't have any family to fall back on. And uh, unlike my advice to the guy who I uh, told to sort of make losing his friendship a consequence of marrying this person that he disapproved of, you feel you can't do that because uh, your friend will have no friends and has no support system. And you said you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to ditch her when she needs you most. Uh, I would say, though, that you don't want to be the person that makes it possible for her to stay in a bad relationship. You don't want to be the the escape valve that lets off a little steam. You don't want to be the person that she comes to when uh, – her girlfriend's being a total bitch and making her miserable, who then talks her into going back to her girlfriend or uh, plays that role. Um, you need to be really upfront with her. If you think that she's making a terrible mistake and that this woman is not right for her and that this woman is not a good person and that she's setting herself up for misery 
and abuse, you need to say that. And you need to say that loud and you need to make it very clear to her. Um, you know, if she, one of the things people who are, you know, and I'm not saying this other woman is abusive, you didn't give enough details for me to actually make that leap. But one of the things people who are abusive rely on is isolation. Um, and you need to make sure that, you know, you're there for her, but you have to tell her the truth. And there may come a point where she doesn't want to hear the truth from you. Um, it, you know, it's not going to help her through this if you hold your tongue uh, because she's isolated or because you're the only one she's got. You don't say how you really feel for fear of her turning her back on you and then her having no one but her asshole girlfriend. Uh, so you should stay in her life. I amend my previous advice or I adapt it for you in this different circumstance. You should stay in her life, but you shouldn't hold your tongue. You have to speak your mind. You have to bring her up short. If you think she's making a mistake, you are sort of particularly responsible. The onus really is on you to speak up if you are the only person uh, in her life who could uh, tell her the truth. Well, on that very depressing speculative note, we're going to wrap this up. This has been another Savage Love podcast. I'm your podcaster, Dan Savage. The phone number here, if you want to leave a question for me to uh, bat around on the podcast, 206-201-2720. You can download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Also, please leave a phone number if you want us to give you a return call. We will not broadcast your phone number, we promise. Uh, also, if possible, call from a landline. So uh, those cell phone calls can sometimes uh, be a little difficult to make out. So we prefer landline calls, if at all possible. And finally, uh, we're looking for some theme music. So if uh, you want to write some theme music for the podcast and send it to us, uh, please do. And the address is podcasts at thestranger.com. Thanks very much. We'll be talking to you again next week.